Welcome back to another episode of the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. I'm Justin Mart. And I'm Catherine Wu. And this week, we're getting into a super spicy, interesting conversation around governance in DAOs. And I'm pretty excited because honestly, what this really is about is how messy human coordination can be. And here with us today is Julia Rosenberg, who is the co-founder of Orca Protocol, where she's trying to solve this exact problem. Yeah, at the heart of it, corporations are people. People have a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of you know very unique capabilities and interests. And all of it aligns in Web3 in a very interesting way because again, this is decentralized governance. So we're going to break it all down with Julia. Why don't we just get into it? Well, so, I mean, first of all, thank you, Julia. Secondly, um, you have had some, like, fire tweet threads this year. I want to say on DAOs, but it's really on the messiness of human nature in governance. A plus slash- follow. Agreed. It's kind of fun. You got to put some fire stuff out there. I haven't I haven't gotten down that that path yet of like actually tweeting spicy things. I think I was like programmed long ago not to be spicy at all because of like my affiliation with Coinbase. And now it's like Ugh. seeped into my blood. And so I'm like, oh, I want to tweet this, Justin, but I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't. We need to unlearn know, all of those things. Maybe I'll just share, the only way forward. I'll share all my spicy takes on the podcast. And then, hey, Perfect. I, ha- I have to tweet it now, right? Great. Yeah. And then I will put you on blast until you share that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you tweet at me and putting me on blast, I will reply to you. That's a good way to get me. Okay, engaged. perfect. Yeah, yeah. Done. It's a deal. <laughs> um, maybe speaking of spicy stuff, uh, this is kind of a spicy topic, right? I mean, we want to get into DAO governance, get into DAO participation. Um, I also love your expertise in this because you're ears right to the metal, right? You're involved in all of this. Well, so I think first and foremost, like, um, I really love that you put so much emphasis on like the words like people led because i think you know working in crypto it's like you know you're on the intersection of tech and finance and so much of these things right even in like normal terms we're like smart contracts and it really just seems like humans are so removed but when you really dig down to it like humans are the decision makers and you can't build a DAO, you cannot build anything without it being like centered around people led. So that was like, I think the broad thing to say, but what I wanted to dig into, which is like, uh, let's not forget that humans drive decisions and humans also can get really messy. Yes, 1000%. This is something I am very opinionated about, um, but we call Orca a people first protocol. Um, And I think when we think about that is just, when you think about an organization, like the most basic primitive of an organization is just people and like human to human collaboration and connection. And to abstract that away in DAOs is truly just like the biggest mistake ever. Like, I think there was an early theme in DAOs where people became obsessed with the autonomous element of DAOs. But when we actually think about what a DAO is, I think of it more as like, automation at the center, humans at the edges. And there are a lot of people at the edges with a lot of different ideas of like what, like why we're all there and what we're all building towards. So I think it's a huge mistake to not acknowledge like the massive human element of these very messy organizations that we're all working on. Let's just dig right in. Like speaking of hot takes, right? Like you had a tweet that I really liked. You were just like factually, like DAOs are not leaderless organizations, whether they admit it or not. And I like really loved that rationale. So like, um, let's, I don't know, let's expand on it for the people who haven't seen your amazing tweet thread. 
Yeah. So I think there's been an interesting theme recently in DAOs that um, DAOs are not leaderless organizations, but should be leaderful organizations. And to not acknowledge the leaders that do exist in these organizations is also a huge mistake. Um, but I sort of think of this in two ways, the hard and soft power that exists among leaders in DAOs. Um, and one of which is easier to control, one of which is not as easy to control. Um, you know, soft power is people like founders of organizations, for example, like Kane being, he calls himself the semi-benevolent dictator of synthetics, um, which I think perfectly describes the role that he plays. And, you know, Kane on many occasions tried to step back from synthetics and say like, hey, this is not like my thing, guys. Like this is for all of you. And what happened was like utter chaos um, and anarchy basically is that people didn't know where to look to. And um, there was just this utter structure structurelessness that existed within the DAO. And he realized like he played a very formative role in the ecosystem, even just as like someone who sat there and helped to like sort of coordinate the efforts that existed within, within the DAO. Um, he also recognized like the hard power that he um, has in that ecosystem, which is governance, voting power, spending power, all of those things. And so I think that's just something we need to be generally very aware of in organizations is um, how can we create sort of the next wave of leaders um, through empowering them in hard, discrete, like I sort of say like discrete powers. How do we give the new wave of leaders, like discrete powers and organizations. Um, whereas, you know, these traditional leaders that we see in DAOs, like the people that have a bunch of Twitter followers, the ones that started these organizations, will continue to hold that um, more social power that exists in sort of persuade an organization in a different direction. Can I press on this just a little bit? I, I'd love to kind of get, in, in my little mental framework here, I'm trying to understand, like, you know, what is exactly different between a decentralized autonomous organization in the Web3 crypto land versus traditional Web2 companies? So we all kind of espouse decentralization as the goal here, right? Where there is a more egalitarian form of, you know, democratic governance over these protocols. But I think what you're espousing is, hey, actually, we need leaders behind these protocols. We need people who actually can step up, make decisions and provide a level of organizational clarity um, and structure in order to succeed. So... Can you maybe help me tease out this tension? Like when we say decentralized, how decentralized is it really? Should it be that decentralized? Like, I think there are like many layers here too, is that when you think about centralized organizations, um, what they're best at is very clearly defined roles and process flows within that structure. And that's a big reason why they work very well. You know, they get things done very quickly. There is a rhyme and reason for everything that they do. Um, and DAOs aren't quite in that phase yet. We don't know what our processes are. We don't understand, you know, what roles people play in an organization, their responsibilities, all of those things. Um, and so I think the first element of that is just visibility of the roles and responsibilities that people hold in organizations. I think everything that happened with SushiSwap a few months ago is a perfect example of how that blew up in everyone's faces. What happened? Is that so basically what happened with Sushi is that the sort of core developers and um, core team that was working on Sushi um, 
requested basically more funding to continue to build and continue to do all the amazing work that they were doing on behalf of sushi. But I think what happened was that there was this massive divide between like the decentralized organization, quote unquote, um, aka the token holders, the community members, and the core team. And that there really wasn't visibility there on like what roles people were playing and also what responsibilities they had. Um, And I think the community really pushed back when the core team did request more funding because they had no idea what this money was being used for and why they even needed it in the first place. Like there was just truly such a divide um, in information of what the core team was even doing. And what ended up happening was that one of the later the leaders decided to step back because he felt he didn't have the autonomy he needed to run his team and run the core contributors the way that he needed to. And I, I'll say that I don't think it's, I don't think centralization in decentralized orgs is a bad thing. I think that um, what Joseph DeLong specifically was requesting is that, um, hey guys, I do a lot for this ecosystem and I want to be compensated for it. And I want to make sure we can do the things that we say we want to do. Um, and Sushi has, you know, uh, benefited tremendously from the work of the core team and having these focus groups that have a very clear purpose within that organization. Um, but I think the biggest mistake was just the lack of visibility that existed in that ecosystem and not saying very upfront, like, hey, yeah, we are sort of this like little centralized hub of ecosystem activity um, within the organization. And we want to have autonomy con- to, to continue doing that. So how yeah. would you frame decision-making really then in like flat hierarchies, given that it's probably hard to escape some kind of like um, force or group that makes uh, or at least contributes a lot. So like in my mind, I'm kind of thinking like maybe it's more of a framing of like uh, centralized contributions, but decentralized decision-making. I mean, obviously I think a lot of it with Orca and everything that we're building is that this is a, something we're very opinionated about is that we need to better delegate decision-making abilities in an organization to different stakeholders and different people within the organization. Um, And I think sort of the state of DAOs today is that um, all of this power is very centralized to a core group of people without um, acknowledging that that is the case. I think there's a huge gap between what people are saying is happening and what's actually happening. And I think the the reality is that a lot of power is really decentralized. Um, and so what we're working on with Orca is how do we basically delegate decision-making abilities, um, delegate, delegate other discrete powers that exist within a DAO to other groups of stakeholders. But I think the key issue there is the accountability mechanisms that we introduce. Like, obviously, you know, self is not just going to be like, Hey, like, you get 10K uni, you get 10K uni, like uni for everyone. <laughs> you know, we need to make sure that um, the people we're actually empowering into those positions of power, whether it be spending power, governance power, or contractual powers, um, are actually acting in good faith on behalf of the organization. And there are um, repercussions for bad actions. I think one really good thing to remember is I think for a very, very long time, like if you are a founder, 
uh, or you're like part of the core team, the expectation is like, you should always be in that seat. Whereas now I actually think that like, if you were the core team and you built it, you actually have to earn the seat. Like you have to earn to like remain in that position, which I think is fundamentally already the really, really big shift. Like I think Julia, like what you're saying is not that like there's no leader ever. It's actually just more that like these are seats that are uh, earned and have to be empowered by your community. Yes, 1000%. I think that's a really good way to distill it, Catherine. And I sort of make the comparison to um, when you look at traditional governance systems versus decentralized governance systems, like we have the ability to affect change much, much quicker than our traditional governance systems and to hold people accountable much, much quicker. So when I go and vote, you know, like I am voting for Catherine for Senator, like I think she's amazing. She does all this great work. I'm so about everything she does. Then oops, Catherine has like a cute little scandal in the middle of her term. And I'm like, oops, like, no, I am not about Catherine. I don't respect her as leader. Like she is not, um, someone I want to be like, Catherine, how dare you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How dare you, Catherine? <laughs> it's hard to be perfect guys. <laughs> and so I don't have the ability to basically hold you accountable until the next election cycle. Um, and that is really like the only power that I hold as, as a voter here. Um, but in decentralized ecosystems, like we actually have the ability to hold you accountable, like very quickly. Um, I think the only way that, that presents itself right now is through delegation of votes. Um, but I think that will continue to grow a lot in terms of the ways in which we can hold leaders accountable in ecosystems. Again, something we're working on with Orca is that um, what we're building out in V2 of our protocol is basically created automated rules that you can assign for pod membership so that um, the rules are written up front of like things that you actually have to meet in order to hold these positions and have access to these powers. So that means we can create this sort of layered system of how we're delegating different powers, like basically different checks and balances on each other. So, you know, if we create a pod, we could delegate that admin key to our token holders and say, like, you have actually direct control over the management of members in this pod and the powers they have access to and additional rules that they must be beholden to, to actually be compliant with this membership. Sort of this additional design surface area for um, incentive alignment, quality assurance, checks and balances, accountability. Like these are all things we need to continue to iterate on and continue to be introducing into these systems. So there's some measure of accountability in traditional worlds where if you screw up, you don't get the shares you would invest in. Or if you leave early, you relinquish some of those shares as well. We don't have quite the same incentive structures in, in Web3 and in DAO and, and uh, you know, crypto land yet. But it would be yeah. great if we could. And in fact, what you're pointing out is we can do more than just like claw back shares and do you know simple things, we can actually codify performance targets or codify ways these people have to hold you know X Y Z or do do you know this thing over here. We can we can codify. We can put it into code, um, yep. and so that gives exactly. us a, a richer set to clarify the organizational structure. In DAOs, I think we have the opportunity to expand that um, further and expand that outwards. Is that there's not just like this single board or single group of C-suite holders that can make decisions. Is we can actually have like a plethora of those types of leaders that exist in um, in these orgs. And basically, um, I sort of call it like composability of people and pods is like basically click people and pods together in different ways to create structures that we need. So, you know, if we wanted to have a people management pod on 
like the developers, like they could just be responsible for holding the developers accountable and making sure that they're producing the work they need to, that, you know, they're compliant with some of the agreements that they agree to um, and all of those things. So I think of it more as like localized hierarchies rather than like this big giant monolithic hierarchy that we think about in, in centralized orgs. And that's truly different. We've never seen that before in, in Web2 land. Yeah. Um, I got a potentially spicy direction to take this. There, there's a main tension in my head too that I'm kind of coming to grips with over the past few months around DAOs and around corporate governance and, and governance structures. It's this general idea that there's a trade-off when you decentralize. And we've actually paid homage to this in past podcasts. If you have a vote, if you have decentralized governance where everybody's kind of voting on the strategic direction to take, in my opinion, you're always going to be in the middle of the bell curve of options because you're pulling a diversified set of people. And so your opinion is generally yeah. always going to represent the average. But mm. corporations are most successful when they have a single few people who can make differentiated bets, who can zig where others zag and have conviction in that bet. And then when they prove correct, that's when you see all the, all the gains. If you're in the middle of the bell curve every time, you're just going to do the average thing. You're never going to differentiate yourself. You're probably not going to succeed long run. So yeah. zooming back, right? Like what do you... How do, how do we achieve that in Web3 land? What's the solution there? I think first, just like lay the groundwork, is that DAOs are still like extremely, extremely early. Um, the reason that centralized orgs like work so well and can do things on like either end of the bell curve and um, work much more efficiently and effectively, it goes back to what I was saying, is that there are very clear, clearly defined roles and process flows that exist in those organizations. But what is the case with centralized orgs as well is that um, they basically work the exact same over the last few decades. Like it's been a benefit and also a constraint on them, I think. Um, and the experimentation mindset is very, very limited in traditional orgs. Um, and I think where DAOs have the opportunity is that experimentation like is wide open. Like we can do whatever we want. We can experiment around compensation, agency, ownership, all of these things that are usually highly discouraged in, in centralized organizations. And so for better or worse, DAOs have a blank can canvas right now when it comes to these experiments. Um, and I think that this era of experimentation will yield like some of the most powerful new org mechanisms. So, so here's the yeah. thing, like in a traditional company, I think it's really easy. Like if you, you know, why is there such talks about the great resignation? Like, I think people are leaving their jobs, um, partially because they're frustrated, right? Because they can't change something internally. And so my point is like, they're every, like organization or even like when we're in school you do group projects there's always going to be like a group leader right nobody elects them how they just frustrating appear was that? naturally yeah. <laughs> right but they just appear naturally why because you know maybe they're the ones who just have it together the most maybe they're the ones who are just the best writers right and so like leaders inherently are not bad leading leaders and there's nothing like good or bad actually about leaders it's actually more just about like does everyone else have a say yeah i think I completely agree with that. And also the freedom for new leaders to emerge is that there should be a very clear path of like how you as a contributor can affect change in a larger way in an organization. Um, and that I think, again, that comes down to visibility is that if I, you know, join a DAO and I'm like, Hey guys, I have 10 years in org design experience. Like I really want to help you guys and like affect change here. If I can't actually see who's working on those structures and who actually holds power in that organization, how am I supposed to be able to navigate that ecosystem correctly to figure out like where I even sit in that, um, in the kind of like leadership 
um, a heat map that exists in the DAO. So I think that's a big part of it too, is like there needs to be a clear path for new leaders to emerge. There is like one thing that I honestly like always think about and like so much of like what we talk about all sounds so like idealistic, right? It's like, let's give power to the hands of the people. Let's like, you know, if leaders are bad, replace them and give people big say. But like um, the way that crypto companies and DAOs currently just like bypass this is basically like tokens, right? Like buy a token and you have a vote. And it's very much like one token, one, one vote. And like that in actually creates a really perverse incentive in which like if you have money, basically you can buy tokens and you have the biggest voice. And that obviously I think is, I mean, that's really, really problematic. There is a very glaring accessibility problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100%. I think the compound governor alpha and Bravo contracts, which were the um, basic primitives that created token weighted voting were some of the most important like primitives that were introduced in web three and crypto governance. Um, But like even Robert Leshner, like he has this tweet that I love, which was sometimes I feel like a founding father who designed democracy, like slightly incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Which is perfect because I think we all understand like the limitations of token weighted voting and the system that has been created. Like and I think something something to think about there too that you mentioned, Catherine, is that why are we wrapping up so much in a token? Like your ownership, power, and control are all determined by the amount of tokens you have. And that like really shouldn't be the case. Um, we need to be able to like decouple all of those different um, things that exist. I definitely am not anti-token weighted voting. Like, I still think it's an extremely important mechanism to be using. I just don't think it should be the only mechanism that we're using. And that's the key difference. Like, when I think about um, DAOs, I still think, I still, I still see token weighted voting as like a massively important part of the ecosystem. And being able to give different contributors different amounts of governance power that's a very, very powerful, like, meme, I guess. Yeah. Well, also, like, maybe let's decouple this. Like, someone else getting tokens to vote doesn't take away your power. Yeah. Like, I think that's, like, it's not, like, a zero-sum thing. It's, like, actually, like, the more people uh, that have a voice, actually, the better I think it is for the platform. And, like, last week we talked about, like, how tokens are a really good incentive for people to, like, uh, onboard to new products, onboard to new things. And I, that, that still could be powerful. Maybe we're just talking about separating the financial piece with the governance piece, or maybe it's, like, better designed somehow. But my point is, like, if you really want to put power in the hands of the people, you just have to make it easier for the people, whoever they are, to, to get it. And, and I'll give you a really concrete example, okay? Like, so there are, cr- like, certain, like, Discord channels that basically, like, let you get early access to some NFT. However, they want to know that you're, like, in it for the right reason. So some Discord channel actually puts, like, a gate. So, so like, I don't, I can't buy my way, actually, like, to mint a NFT. I can't buy my way up the line. I purely have to like earn it by leveling up my individual level in the discord and that might mean like i have to just like interact with people i have to like talk in the discord i have to give ideas maybe i go to like the and it's like something silly and and small like um i can earn points just by like giving some book recs to people like those are all ways to do it and and that 
actually granted me like an early access to admit, but that's not like, oh, that's not fair. Like Catherine has more money than me. Not at all. It was just like, oh yeah, like Catherine did her work in this like Discord channel. So like, that's like a non-crypto example, but it is an example in the real world that I think could be applied um, kind of to like, when you think about, oh, well, what's the solution to get it into the hands of the more people? Well, take the capital part out of it. That to me is an idea of, oh, hey, why don't we just let other things represent your social capital? And the missing element here is actually the social capital itself. What are you doing in the social level to, to prove your, your value? What is the sort of impact you're providing? Not just how many tokens you own. And that can be expressed through NFTs, can be expressed through other things as well. But potentially there's a world where, you know, you basically need a certain type of NFT to grant certain privileges within a DAO. And that NFT represents your social impact. Yeah. I mean, I think it's worth saying is that your membership to a pod is represented through an NFT. So if you actually go to a user's wallet, you can actually see like what pods they're a part of and what, you know, groups of people that they're a part of. And that can be used as a credentialing system, like you're sort of saying, you know, if you're a part if you were able to get to the point of reaching these pods and having these powers within the ecosystem, like potentially, you know, that gives you further access to other spaces and, and the, the repercussions of that. I was kind of debating whether or not to bring this up because Julia, in case you didn't know, right before you came on, Justin and I got into a heated <laughs> discussion over um, uh, governance. It, um, it was and my specifically, fault, Okay. <laughs> specifically around the, the recent ENS drama. Yeah. And I'll leave the quick context here, okay? Which is basically ENS is essentially the new uh, domain that you can own, right? So when you see, whether it's on Twitter or something, like, you know, julia.eth or something, like that's your domain that you own. And so the one of the main leaders actually behind this project um, recently got into, uh, you know, started, you know, people found kind of like old hateful comments that he had said about marginalized communities and essentially like um, called into question whether he was fit to lead, right? Now, um, this is a really interesting like playing in real time thing. Uh, and I will tell you like, you know, a lot of people were like, you know, he holds so many tokens and he holds so much power in the ENS DAO. Um, maybe he he's not fit to do this. And there was like, you know, all week I've been seeing people calling for other ENS holders to, hey, redelegate your vote. Like, don't put it in the hands of this leader if you don't agree with his views. And I think that's a very real time, like um, just looking at the inflows of like people who have delegated votes out of uh, this leader's hands. Um, it's pretty interesting to see that at play. Um, and personally, like I you know, putting kind of like uh, tokens behind my words, I rage bought uh, a bunch of ENS tokens just to delegate to someone else. Um, so like, I personally have like certainly felt that at hand, right? And it certainly felt very just like satisfying. Like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a couple hundred ENS tokens just to not give it to you. Um, and I did it, you know? And I certainly felt it very much like playing out. I think something that needs to be sort of acknowledged around this is that, um, and some of the like, crux of tension that existed among this really unfortunate um, display of leadership was that this might be a hot take, but crypto systems should be as governance minimized and incredibly neutral as possible. But I think what's misunderstood is that organizations themselves cannot be credibly neutral by their very nature. Like, DAOs are opinionated groups of people. And like both of you pointed out many, many times, like we have diverse groups of stakeholders in all of these DAOs. And I think it's a huge mistake to acknowledge them as credibly neutral and um, like 
bodies of, of people. And so I think, you know, DAO should be flexible enough so they can continue to sort of redraw themselves around people who share values and mission. Um, and I think what I'm interested to see as DAOs moving forward, if they will be more opinionated about sort of the mission, vision, values, ethos that, you know, they believe in as um, a group of stakeholders. And if people don't resonate with those, then, you know, maybe it's not, it's not the space for them. Um, but I think just acknowledging that DAOs themselves are not credibly neutral um, pieces of infrastructure is a really important thing to acknowledge here. Maybe well, I, I think it's the, the more important thing is actually just understanding that like DAOs are not neutral because people are yeah. not neutral. People exactly. are incredibly emotional yep. and like, exactly. you know, and, and humans, right. And like, maybe I'm one type of emotional, but everyone is emotional and leaders, you know, if I, I would like to see a leader reflect, uh, you know, my values. And so I think like inherently, like um, that's what you're seeing even in traditional world, like uh, stakeholders demanding traditional companies to engage in more activism. This is why like ESG is on the rise. It's because like, I think DAOs or companies like, yeah, legally speaking, they're just documents and entities, but they're made up of very emotional people, emotional leaders, emotional stakeholders. And that's not a bad thing. Like the point now is actually like, if you as a holder feel a certain way, and you want the leader of whatever uh, company or tokens that you hold to reflect it, you can actually like in your very small power, like power to the people type, move it along. I think it goes back to the accountability systems that we were talking about earlier. Like if I, you know, voted for you to be in office and then you did something that was a very poor display of leadership and I no longer felt aligned with you, like I should have immediate um, like tools at my disposal to actually hold you accountable to those actions. At the end of the day, this is actually the power of Web3, where you actually can yeah. exercise your vote. You can express your opinions a certain direction. And it's it's very immediate, right? I mean, you know, yeah. this person's ENS delegated vote power has dropped significantly, very rapidly, very quickly. Hasn't gone to zero, which actually is another side of the coin, which states that, you know, Web3 doesn't have immediate governance powers. Most of these protocols have not afforded anybody the ability to unilaterally take someone's entire stake away, right? It's still governance by the people. Um, I'll also remind you guys too, I mean, you know, Coinbase put out a blog post uh, about a year, year and a half ago now that says that we're a mission-focused company. And it specifically stated, hey, we're going to shy away from political discourse at work, except as it relates to our mission of trying to increase economic freedom in the world. Other companies are leaning into this. So it's actually a decision that Web2 is wrestling with as well. Or, you know, is hey, we know that corporations are made of people. People are very passionate about the things and values they believe in. How does a corporation or organize its culture to be successful in the long run? What are they going to do? How do they kind of play in the space? And now we see the same thing happening in Web3, just with a more decentralized element to it. And in my opinion, I don't really know how it's going to play out, frankly, but it's fascinating to watch that evolution happen real time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut in here. I would say this comparison is not really fair because in Web2, like, let's be honest, we all have a job because society uh, is set up so that we have to work to survive, right? So actually in a web two, like company way, like you attract employees, like 
everyone needs a job. Everyone needs a paycheck. So like I have less um, flexibility or maybe not everyone's privileged enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to like, I have a choice. But in Web3, at least currently, like at least the way it's currently designed, like people who can afford to have a voice and opinion are the ones participating in Web3, right? Because again, Web3 is early. Those are the people that are in. And so like in a position where you can actually speak up and like not risk your right to survive, um, that's when you really see values align. So I would really just like want to bring this up because I think it's a really important discussion that we're probably not having enough of. And so I guess, are you saying that like Web3 needs to be, um, or it is naturally going to be more um, inclusive and like, you know, uh, driven by people's specific desires and passions? No, I'm saying like in Web3, people are drawn to specific companies or projects due to their own mission and value and belief. Flipped. Yeah. Okay. I think it's true. Yeah, I think it's accurate. So I guess the, the end state then is we should expect Web3, you know, DAOs, crypto to be um, more empowered by causes people believe in and by, you know, um, the, you know, political opinions, beliefs um, and all that jazz. Yeah, 100%. I think also like the key difference between, I've said this again, I've said this many times <laughs> and I'm sound like a broken record, but key difference again between the situation happening in a Web2 company versus the Web3 company is that the decision-making on what to do with um, this person is done behind closed doors in the Web2 company. Like there are other leaders at that Web2 organization that are deciding on behalf of the entire organization what to do here. Um, whereas in Web3, we have a different situation. Well, heavy discussion. Yeah. Um, maybe let's like sum it up, which is that DAOs are early, but I think for DAOs and Web3 to really be Web3, as in like a level up from Web2, we really got to like blow up some old models. And Julia, I'm so glad we have people like you working in the space, like um, really just like trying to design like truly like people first um, DAOs and like people first governance structures. And I think that's like a really important lesson that we should all remember, which is that DAOs or companies or whatever are all made up of humans. And I'm thankful that we got Julia and other very talented people working to improve and keep the evolution going. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. your support so much. Julia, if people wanted to follow the work that you're doing, where should they go? Yes. Okay. Obviously, look us up on Twitter, um, but definitely join our Discord. We are building out our community initiative, who we call the Orcanauts. They're amazing um so we're actually dog fooding our our own product right now and have set up our first early pods in the orcanaut ecosystem so there's a lot of amazing development there happening um with some of our ecosystem contributors already well thanks for tuning in to another edition of the around the block podcast from coinbase be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a comment how did we do? Frankly, this is a very interesting conversation, and we want to know if we got all the right talking points out there. Clearly, there's a lot to talk about, so hit us up. Let us know what you thought. Don't forget to also check out research coming out from our team at coinbase.com slash around the block, and we'll see you guys next week. See you then. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties.